0: So, I want to share a message with you this morning that's actually quite a, a personal message because it's something that um, is part of a journey that I've been on over the last six months or so, and uh, something that God has been speaking to me about, which I believe He wants to encourage us all with. So, many of you will be aware that since having COVID in January, um, I haven't fully recovered. Um, and that going on to have long COVID, I've been suffering with fatigue, Um, not able to get back to full, my normal working hours, and and life has been pretty difficult. And uh, it's been a tough few months and continues to be. And I want to say at this point, a huge thank you uh, to all of you guys that I know have been praying for me, uh, to the leadership team here who've been amazing, um, and to my family, Um, and particularly Martin, who um, has been uh, uh, just amazing. And it's hard, it's been really tough for him too. Now, today, I don't have a testimony about a miraculous healing. I don't have one of those testimonies that we love to hear about God completely transforming a situation and bringing about healing. But I do have a testimony of the goodness and faithfulness of God. And I'm sharing this message today from the point of being in the middle, still waiting for the breakthrough, still in the middle of the challenge. And I know that there'll be people here today and you're in the middle. There's situations going on in your life and you're still waiting for that breakthrough. You're still in the middle. And whatever your situation today, I'm praying that the word of God will be an encouragement to you as it's been to me. Because God is always good. And his word is good. So there's a a very familiar scripture that I want to focus on today. Uh, Many of us will have read it Lots of times we're familiar with it, but it's taken on a special significance for me over the last few months and is something that God has been really using to encourage me. and it's two Corinthians twelve verse seven to ten. So therefore, in order to keep me from being coming conceited, I was given a thorn in the in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong." Now, we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but the word weakness in this passage doesn't just mean weakness of body. It can also mean, uh, obviously, weakness of body can include sickness, but it can also mean a weakness of soul, weakness of understanding, and even weakness of supply, so material lack or poverty. Now, over the last few months, I have been standing on this word that his grace is sufficient for me and his power is made perfect in my weakness. And today, I really believe that this is a word that can be an encouragement to us all. So if you're feeling weak today, physically, emotionally, spiritually, materially, be encouraged. There is grace and power available. So I want to look at the two aspects of this verse today. I want to look at sufficient grace and perfect power. So firstly, sufficient grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, as believers, we know that we have been saved by grace. You know, we've been singing about it this morning. We are saved by grace, not works. As Ben said in his introduction, there's no condemnation because of the grace of of God. It is the unconditional love and undeserved favor of God that enables us to be forgiven, to be saved, to be set free, because Jesus paid the price. That is grace. It's nothing that we can do to earn that. We know that, don't we? So we understand the concept of grace, but it's this same grace that we need for every day of our lives. So what is grace? Well, as I said, grace is all about this unconditional love, this limitless love of God and his kindness, goodness, faithfulness and generosity to us. You may have heard the acronym for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's that sense that we get the riches of God's love and his goodness and faithfulness, but Jesus paid the price, not us. I believe when we truly grasp this, it changes everything. When we're convinced of the love, of the goodness, of the faithfulness, of the generosity, of the favor of God, it changes us. His grace is sufficient. That word sufficient there means to be possessed of unfailing strength, to be enough. When we are weak, his grace is our unfailing strength. It is enough to supply what we lack. And we can come to God for more grace, for a deeper manifestation of his unconditional love and undeserved favor. And it's... I really believe it's this knowledge, this grasp, this understanding of his unconditional love, his goodness to us, his favor to us, that enables us to keep going in the face of disappointment, difficulty, weakness. That's been my experience. See, whether our situation is good or not, God is good. He is still good. And he's working for our good. Do you believe that this morning? God is good and he is working for your good. A few months ago when I was feeling particularly fed up and struggling with uncertainty and frustration and feeling pretty rubbish, God spoke to me from Psalm 23 once again. And in verse 6 he says, Surely his goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And God very clearly said to me, Look for the good. Because if God is good and his goodness is following me, there's good. There's good to be found. There's good. Whatever my circumstances. So, how do we receive more grace? Well, the way to access this sufficient grace is simply to acknowledge our need. Now when I first started work as an occupational therapist um, 30 years ago, that is really scary actually. When I, when I say that out loud, I feel really, really old. Um, but I didn't actually have a great experience. So i newly qualified, um, came to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital, and unfortunately, due to a number of circumstances, I ended up covering the work of three people. And I was not coping. Um, I was uh, really, really struggling. And then after a couple of months, I remember I ended up in my manager's office completely in a, in a complete mess and said, I can't do it. I can't cope. And my manager very helpfully said, Well, we never expected that you would. We were just waiting for you to ask for help. Now, if you're a manager here, can I tell you that is really not a good management strategy? <laughs> I was not impressed. But it's a good illustration of what we do when, we can't, when we're struggling. You know, we keep going, we keep going until we can't cope. And in the end, we just go, help, I can't cope. We only come to God sometimes at that point of desperate need. But the difference, and there's many, between my old manager and God, is that God makes it very clear to us what help there is available. He has made it clear that we can access his help his grace, his support. And yet so often we don't, do we? Until we're at that point of desperation. But when we come to God in our weakness, he always responds with grace. And the amazing thing about grace is that it's got absolutely nothing to do with us, nothing to do with our abilities. Nothing to do with us being able to understand what's going on, or being able to figure things out, or have the answers. The pressure is off us. The whole point is we can't do it. We can't do it. It's all about him. It's all about his goodness. It's all about his power, his his faithfulness to us, his mercy, his love, his strength. And as soon as we operate in our own strength, actually we deny the need for grace. Because to admit to receive grace, we need to admit our need, our inadequacy. Humility opens the door for grace. Paul said in this passage, and he said slightly earlier on in this passage, he was talking about some amazing spiritual experiences he's had. And then he says in this passage that, that God allowed these, this thorn in order to keep him humble because of these amazing experiences. And as soon as we think we can do things on our own, we're in danger. Because whether we recognize our weakness or not, folks, we are weak. We are nothing without Him. It is interesting, there's something else about this word weakness which is significant because in these verses, the word for weakness there is the same word which Matthew uses when he's quoting from Isaiah in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. That word for infirmity there is the same word for weakness that we've just read. Jesus bore our infirmities. He took up our weaknesses. He took up our weaknesses on the cross. He identified with our failings. He shared our weakness. He carried our weakness. He paid the price for our weakness so that we can experience his grace. We have a saviour who understands. That's encouraging, isn't it? We have someone who gets it. And Hebrews 4 makes this really clear. in our time of need. Jesus understands. He has experienced weakness. And we can come to the throne of grace with confidence to receive grace in our time of need. Isn't that an encouragement today? We have sufficient grace at our disposal through Jesus. Secondly, perfect power for my power is made perfect <clears throat> in weakness. Excuse me. I'd just like us to think about that for a moment. Perhaps just close your eyes for a minute <clears throat> and just think, Jesus' power is made perfect in my weakness. His power is made perfect in my weakness." That's quite an incredible thing, isn't it? When you really think about that. And I have to say, I've declared this many times over the last few months, (laughs) because I've been so conscious of my weakness. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. So the word for power here is dunamis. And it's the same word when we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. It's the power of God, the dynamic power of God that is available to us in our weakness. And it's perfect power. The word for perfect here means to accomplish, to bring to fulfillment, to add what is wanting, to carry through completely. The power, this power, is power to perform, power to accomplish, power to provide what is lacking, perfect power, power that is made perfect in our weakness. So when we are weak, when we are lacking physically, emotionally, spiritually, God's power provides what we lack. In order to accomplish his work, accomplish his purposes in our lives, I want to look at an example of this. Uh, someone we may be familiar with, uh, Gideon. Okay, so in Judges 6, we read that once again, in the, we know that this is a familiar pattern of, of the, what happens in uh, in the Israelite history. Uh, they've turned their back on God and they've started to suffer um, through their enemies. And uh, once again, they cry out to God. And at this point in their history, they didn't have kings to rule over them. They, um, God would raise up people we call judges to lead the people at a particular point in time. And we, re- we read as we start this bit of the, the passage here, as the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Ab- by- Ab- is right didn't, didn't plan that one. Ab- is right, something like that, anyway. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, "'The Lord is with you, mighty warrior.'" "'Pardon me, my Lord,' Gideon replied.'" But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Anyone ever asked that question? Excuse me, God. Why? (laughs) Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him. Very patient, wasn't he? Turned to him and said, "'Go in the strength you have "'and save Israel out of Midian's hand. "'Am I not sending you?' "'Pardon me, my lord.' "'He really was persistent, wasn't he? "'He wasn't giving in to this,' Gideon replied. "'But how can I save Israel? "'My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, "'and I am the least in my family.' "'The Lord answered, "'I will be with you, "'and you will strike down all the Midianites, "'leaving none alive.' God was calling Gideon, but Gideon did not feel up to the task. Anyone ever felt like that? He felt weak. In fact, he said, I am the least in a family of weaklings. I am nothing. But where he saw a weakling, God saw a mighty warrior. So we read on in the story, and Gideon gathers an army of 32,000 men to fight the enemy. But We then read in Judges 7 verse 2 that God said, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So God then gives Gideon instructions and basically narrows down the army size to just 300 men. So he has 300 men left to fight 135,000 people. That's kind of the odds are not great, are they? That is weakness. That is weakness. But God's power enables them to defeat their enemies. And there is absolutely no doubt that it's God who's won the victory. So, what should we do when we feel weak? Well, 2 Corinthians 12, if we come back to that passage, verse 9, he says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul said he was glad he was weak. He boasted of his weaknesses. In fact, the word for boast here is actually glory. He says, I will glory in my weaknesses. Now, that's not really something we tend to do, is it? But he recognized that acknowledging his weakness opened the door for God's power. He says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that word for rest here means to fix your tent, make your home, dwell within, take possession of. It's the same word we read in John 1.14 where it talks about the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. It's that sense of making home. Jesus' power is not just a fleeting experience. When we glory in our weaknesses, his power dwells in us, works within us, takes possession of of us. So I've got a question for you this morning. Which would you rather have? Your own human strength or weaknesses, difficulties, trials, and the indwelling power of God? Quite a difficult question to answer, perhaps. (laughs) Paul goes on, to say that he delights in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not say I delight in difficulties. Anybody else? Anybody delight in their difficulties? In fact, the word for difficulties in this verse actually means dire calamity or extreme affliction. And I'll be honest, I'm going to be really honest, I do have not been delighted about my fatigue. You know, one thing I'm learning, slowly, (laughs) if we could really understand the truth that our weakness is an opportunity for God's power, then surely we would be able to delight in it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am powerless, needy, feeble, sick, that's what that word means, then I am strong, which means able, powerful, mighty in wealth and influence, strong in soul, able to do. It doesn't really make any sense to us, does it? But what we have to be, remember is that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. You know, if you want to become greater, you've got to become less. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be a servant. If you want to be rich, you must become poor. If we want to become strong, we need to delight in our weakness. If we want to experience God's power, we must delight in our weaknesses. But there's a warning here too, because the implication is if we don't acknowledge our weakness, our dependency on God, then we miss out on the dynamic power of God working in and through us. Now, maybe this morning you're not really struggling with a particular weakness in your life. But maybe you feel a bit inadequate for serving God. Well, there's good news for us all. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 29 says, Brothers and and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God has chosen every single one of us, but not because we're strong, not because we're amazingly able or gifted. He's chosen us because he is strong. And he knows what he can do in us. And he gets the most glory when he uses us despite our weaknesses or even because of them. He created us to be dependent on him, just as Jesus was dependent on him. To walk in his power so that all the glory goes to him. If we're really honest, most of us would much prefer that God just answered our prayers for healing, for deliverance, for breakthrough, wouldn't we? Yes? Just do it, Lord. Sort it out, please. Thank you very much. But that's not the way that God always works. We would rather that than have to struggle on to keep on battling. But God did not answer Paul's prayer in this way and sometimes he doesn't answer ours in this way. Now, I was hugely encouraged by the unanswered prayer course that we did some time ago because for me, it showed again that God's purposes are so much bigger than our little brains can grasp. There's always hope because we have a God of hope and we have a God who understands pain and heartache. But it also encouraged me that actually there's something far more important than my physical healing my spiritual health. I was really challenged by Bob Sorge, who was a chap that was featured on the first session of the Unanswered Prayer course. He had been suffering for decades, but he said his prayer was, God, I don't understand you, but I love you. And he said, I don't see your goodness and your faithfulness in my life right now, but I'm going to pursue you until I do because I believe you are good and you are faithful. He declared, he went on to say, he declared that he was still standing on the promises of God. He was still believing for his healing, but he wasn't letting go. Although he wasn't letting go, he wasn't giving up on his breakthrough. But in the meantime, he was pursuing God, going after him. And this pursuing God has to be the most important thing for all of us. See, I am hugely grateful, as I said, for everybody who's been praying for my healing. And I'm still expecting to be healed. But I've come to understand that first and foremost, I am a spiritual being. And my spiritual health, my relationship with Jesus is so much more important. Because one day, this body is going to give up. This body is going to die. But my spirit will live forever, for eternity, for eternity. So if you are feeling weak today, there's good news. His grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in your weakness. I want to finish this morning with another well-known passage, which has been another one of my go-to passages over the last few months. Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, and I'm not a youth anymore, (laughs) grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See, in the midst of our weaknesses, our disappointments, our difficulties, we can feel abandoned by God. We could feel a bit like Gideon. Yes, but God, why? <laughs> Where were you? Why has this happened? But this, this passage makes it clear, our way is not disregarded by him. He sees our suffering. He sees our weakness, our difficulties, our inadequacies. He knows, he sees, he acts. So if you, like me, are in the middle Right now, don't give up hoping in the Lord. He is enough for us in the middle. And the word for hope means to wait expectantly. We can wait with expectancy because his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. And while we wait, let's keep declaring the goodness and faithfulness of God. Keep praising him because he is the source of our grace and our power. He is the source of all that we need. He is our enough. Worship him. Pursue him. He is enough. Amanda, can I ask you just to come up as we and the band to come. I've asked us first to finish with our song, um, The Goodness of God, because I feel that it just, for me, it's been one of those those songs that has helped me to really focus on declaring who God is at this time. But before we do that, I just want to pray. God, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. I thank you for your grace that is sufficient. It is enough, more than enough. I thank you for your power that is available to us, that is made perfect in our weakness. And Lord, I pray for every person here this morning, everybody who's watching online, Lord Jesus, that whatever our weakness, we will be able to come to you, to bring it to you. And to declare your goodness and your faithfulness over our lives. To declare that your grace is sufficient for us. And to trust in your power, your provision, that everything that we need is found in you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, we want to worship you to fix our eyes on you because you are our source. You are who we can come to in our desperate need. We can come to that throne of grace to find help in our time of need. So whatever our need today, we come to you. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and faithfulness to us. It never ends. Never ends. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.